Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Glad you're here, whether you're in person or online. Thank you for being here and uh, as a church family, just celebrating one of the most important weeks in the life of the church. As you've heard now multiple times, this is the beginning of Holy Week. And uh, this is the week where we specifically focus on the last week of Jesus' life and the grace that we have received because of the actions that he took a couple thousand years ago. Holy Week holds special meaning for all of us. And at least to me, always feels a bit different uh, than the other weeks uh, of the year. And I've been praying as we come to this uh, Palm Sunday and as we head into this week, I've been praying that God and God's Spirit would move powerfully amongst us, move powerfully in your heart and your mind as you read these stories and reflect on what Jesus did for us the rest of this week. So this morning as we turn to the scriptures, we're going to look at uh, what is the familiar story of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem as he begins the last week of his life and, the journey to, and his journey to the cross. And I'll have to, I have to say that for me, I think Palm Sunday uh, has grown in its significance for me over the years. I love the story of this day. Uh, this is not one of those Sundays that you just need to get through to get to something more important like Easter Sunday, right? This day and this story is so important. And uh, we, it's good that we pause and spend some time looking specifically at the story. There are so many elements to the story of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. So many deeply meaningful things that happened as he paved the way to the cross and to our redemption. So I pray uh, that we can open our mind and heart to Jesus this morning as we enter the story. Today, uh, we're going to look at something that very important about who Jesus is in the context, in the midst of this story. So we're going to look at, actually, we're, this year we're going to look at John's telling of, of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. And I love the telling of this story in the book of John. It's a little bit different than we get in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and it's really great. So we're going to read it together in, in some sections. So we're going to start, we get this story in John chapter 12. So John chapter 12, starting in verse 12, reads like this. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down to the road to meet him. And they shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things uh, had been written about him. So we'll read more in just a minute. Uh, but one of the fascinating elements of this particular story is how much drama there is as Jesus enters into the city. It's almost like things at this moment are at a fever pitch and, and the tension just continues to build in the story. So there are a few reasons for that. First, and probably one of the most important th reasons that things are a bit chaotic is the fact that Jesus enters the city of Jerusalem on what's called Passover. So the Passover was a Jewish festival day. 
And the Jewish festivals were either public or private events that happened over a period of days or weeks and commemorated or celebrated a significant event in the history of their people. And the Passover was the annual event in which God, they celebrated God's deliverance of the Hebrew people from slavery and an oppressive government, Egypt. All the way back in book two of the Bible, the story of the Exodus, in the book of the Exodus. <laughs> it's a seminal story in the Old Testament and, and shapes a lot of the narrative for the rest of the Old Testament and into the New Testament. Passover was arguably one of the, if not the most volatile and political festivals in the minds of the Romans. Because it served as the main celebration of God's triumph over the greatest superpower back then, Egypt. And that certainly resonated in the minds of the Jewish people uh, suffering under their current oppressive government, Rome. (laughs) So the Romans didn't want things to get out of hand in this festival, right? They didn't want some crazy person to come into town and to stir up the people, which could possibly start a riot, which could possibly lead to a revolt, which might lead to a revolution. So, this is on one level a very kind of tense and chaotic moment because of the political significance and and the Romans' understanding of the Passover. A very important celebration for the Jewish people to celebrate what God had done in their history, but the Romans were nervous about it. So the story has significant political implications as Jesus rides into town. And that's made even worse by the second thing that makes this scene really chaotic and a bit unusual is that the number of people that came to the city for this festival. So uh, one commentator wrote this, that the Passover crowds in Jerusalem were enormous by any standards. As pilgrims gathered from all over Palestine, from one corner of the Mediterranean world to the other, Josephus, a first century Jewish historian, gives the attendance figure for Passover at two and a half million people. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) So it's likely that the normal population of Jerusalem is somewhere around 30,000. That's a lot of people to bring into the city for several days of celebration, right? All four Gospels, one author writes, tell us that when Jesus came to Jerusalem for the last time during his public ministry, he was greeted by a large and enthusiastic crowd. Nothing prepares us for the outburst of enthusiastic support from the general public. We should probably understand that among the crowd who came, with, uh, who came up to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, there were many who were impressed by Jesus' teachings and his miracles. The Roman occupation was not popular, and some patriotic souls must have thought it possible that Jesus would spearhead a movement of opposition, so the people cheered him with enthusiasm. <laughs> So we've talked about this in years past, about the misplaced expectations uh, that people had of Jesus as he's rolling into town. So we understand this scene here is politically chaotic. It's numerically chaotic, right? And Jesus makes waves in other ways too before he enters the city. This is one of the reasons I love the telling of this in the book of John, uh, because Just before Jesus' entry into Jerusalem in chapter 12, we have the story of the raising of Lazarus in chapter 11. Just before the story. 
So the, the raising of Lazarus is an unbelievable story. Maybe you know it, maybe you've, you've read it before or heard about it at least. Lazarus and his family live in a town called Bethany, which is not too far away from Jerusalem. And Lazarus is a man who's somewhat known in the area. And Jesus, we know, are friends with his family and his two sisters and Lazarus himself. So maybe you remember the story, but Lazarus had died. And Jesus wasn't around when Lazarus passed away. We read in the story that Lazarus' sisters were not happy with Jesus, thinking that if Jesus had been there, he could have done something uh, about it. So after some back and forth with the sisters, we read near the end of this story in John chapter 11, verse 40. It reads like this. Jesus responded, telling to the sisters and the people there, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave cloths, his face wrapped in a head cloth, and Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. <laughs> this is the story that happens right before Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. So this is one of the most significant uh, miracles in, of Jesus in the book of John, and it definitely caused a stir. <laughs> in fact, uh, the, the, the fact that he brought Lazarus back to life after he had died explains why so many of the people in Jerusalem were ready to welcome Jesus into the city. One author wrote, I loved this, he wrote, a miracles in the backwoods of Galilee would not impress the general public, but the raising of a dead man in their own backyard in Bethany was quite another matter. <laughs> now, I'm just going to keep reading a little bit because it's so good and it really sets up the context of what's happening here as Jesus insters Jerusalem. So we're going to continue in John chapter 11, starting in verse 45. Many of the people who were with Mary believed in uh, Jesus when they saw this happen. But some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the leading priests and the Pharisees called the high council together. What are we going to do? They asked each other. This man certainly performs uh, many miraculous signs. If we allow him to go on like this soon, everyone will believe in him. Then the Roman army will come and destroy both the temple, our temple and our nation. <laughs> it's getting real bad for Jesus here, all right? And it continues in verse 55. It was now almost time for the Jewish Passover celebration. And many people from all over the country arrived in Jerusalem several days early so that they could go through the purification ceremony before the Passover began. They kept looking for Jesus. But, they but as they stood around the temple, and I love this, they said this to each other, what do you think? Uh, he won't come for the Passover, will he? That guy's in a lot of trouble, <laughs> Right? Meanwhile, the leading priests and the Pharisees had publicly ordered that anyone seeing Jesus must report it immediately so that they could arrest him. Then we come to chapter 12. <laughs> and in verse 9 of chapter 12, the tension continues to increase. When all of the people, it says, uh, when all of the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. <laughs> and then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. This is kind of a crazy moment, isn't it? 
You understand there's a lot that is, this, is, this story is so fantastic. There's a lot that's going into this. So it's chaotic on so many levels. It's politically chaotic. It's numerically chaotic. And it's emotionally chaotic after the rising of Lazarus. The situation for Jesus seems real bad as he enters the city. So, okay, Pastor Kyle, why have we spent so much time this morning setting up the story like this, going through this? Well, I think, number one, first, because understanding the elements of the story, are, this is a fantastic story and would make an incredible movie, right? <laughs> but also, I think Scripture is making a point in the building of all of these chaotic pieces making a point about who Jesus is in this story and what he did. The question is, do we have eyes to see it? Because it means something for us today. The fact is that if we had to define our lives these days, we might very well use words like chaotic, busy, overwhelmed, uncertain, fearful, And if that doesn't describe your life now, well, I know that there's been seasons in your life like that for you in the past, baby. There certainly have been for me. And if those words, uh, those words might define our individual context or stories, but it certainly could define our culture and our world these days, amen? (laughs) And then there's this, our spiritual state of things. We've said this often that Left on our own, we don't tend toward holiness, right? We need some help in that area. Humanity is a broken people spiritually and in need of a way back to God, in need of redemption, in need of forgiveness, in need of a relationship with the Creator. You see, what happens in this story as Jesus enters Jerusalem into a very chaotic narrative, chaotic and dangerous on so many levels, this, this, this story, in, G, in this story, Jesus is the person who can bring something other than more chaos. <laughs> and that's exactly what he does. Jesus brings with him as he enters Jerusalem a call to clarity and peace. Clarity as he sets his mind on the cross. He's focused on the one thing as he enters Jerusalem. His sacrifice on the cross, his forgiveness of our sins, his renewal and redemption of you and me and of all things, he's focused. And he brings peace as he calls us out of darkness into his glorious light, out of the chaos of the story into the peace of the kingdom of God. Jesus is in this moment the king of peace. He does not ride, he doesn't enter the story or enter the city as a warring revolutionary calling for everyone to pick up a sword. He certainly is revolutionary, but he's calling everyone to a renewed relationship with God. Jesus enters as the king of peace. And there's signs of that all over what he does and even in what he says. One author wrote this, that faced with nationalistic uh, politicizing of what it means to be the Messiah, Jesus takes corrective action. In Galilee, he withdrew to the hills to pray. And here in this moment, one of the things he does is get on a donkey. (laughs) Jesus takes some action in this story as he enters the city that is connected with the Old Testament scriptures that that makes clear he's claiming the office of their expected Savior, And he's doing it in a way that promotes peace. 
not more violence in this moment. The donkey, a humble symbol, but one that has significant connection with what's written in the Hebrew scriptures. The gospel tells us that by this symbolic action, he was not the potential overthrower of the Romans that the crowds would dearly love to see. No, he entered as the king of heaven and the prince of peace. (laughs) Don't miss what Jesus is doing and what he wants you and I to experience through his actions. Deep meaningful, lasting, eternal purpose and peace. The same commentator that I mentioned earlier says this. He writes, unlike other uh, writers, John does not detail Jesus' careful planning for this symbolic action. Its meaning, however, is crystal clear. He is the king of Israel, but not like others who entered the city on a war horse. Rather, he is the king. Uh, uh, he is the king of, of whom Zechariah prophesied in Zechariah 9. Starting in verse 9, we read this. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous. He is victorious. And yet he is humble. Riding on a donkey. Riding on a donkey's colt. I will remove the battle chariots from Israel and the war horses from Jerusalem. I will destroy the weapons used in battle. And your king will bring peace to the nations and to your heart. His realm will stretch from sea to sea and from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. Praise Jesus. Amen. Jesus is the one who changes the way that things are done in this moment. He takes away the chariots and the war horses. He's the one who will destroy normal weapons of war. And he can and will bring peace, eternal peace to you and I if we see him and if we respond to him in faith. His rule will extend from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth, over time and eternity. Jesus declares that his rule is different. It's a rule of peace and gentleness and is for everyone. And yes, that means for you and me too as we sit here in in our seats, as you're joining us from home. For all those people in our workplaces, in our families, in our neighborhoods. I'm so thankful that the crowds, uh, that the chaos doesn't deter Jesus from his ultimate goal. And the gospel makes it clear that Jesus' actions were taken that day to fulfill the purpose of God. And he said it when he said it to the people when he rose Lazarus from the dead. It's to put God on display (laughs) and to call us to himself. Jesus sets his face toward what God has called him to do. To willingly deal with sin and death so that you and I can have an unhindered relationship with God that is marked by God's spirit in us and a growing capacity for love for each other and for God. A deep sense of purpose and peace. That's what Jesus is doing in this moment as it gets on the donkey and rides through the chaos. And so the people came, and even if they didn't quite get it, they came out and they celebrated Jesus. We do that today, but with a better perspective as we look in the past here as to what's happening, because we know what's coming. John 12, starting in verse 12 again. The next day, the news that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem swept through the city, and a large uh, crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down to the road to meet him. They shouted, Praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, 
Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. So in the Gospel of John, the story begins not with Jesus sending for the donkey, but for what with crowds of people taking palm branches and going out to meet Jesus, shouting, Hosanna. We did that as we began our service together with the, with the children walking around. Some of the people that had traveled with Jesus from Bethany and the surrounding villages, others went out, to the, out from the city to meet him. And their welcome was expressed in both action and words, historic action, the waving of palm branches. The word that they, uh, the waving of palm branches has pretty significant meaning in the history of the Jewish people as God provided for them and gave them victory in lots of different levels or uh, areas and stories. The word that they used incorporated scripture. Hosanna literally means give us salvation now. (laughs) We desperately need it. That's what we're calling out when we sing this Hosanna word. It's a quotation from Psalm 118 and it was part of their daily prayer. And it was a song that was sung during most of their feast and festival days. The king of Israel, they would sing. And it was true, because that's what Jesus is. The king of Israel. But Jesus was and is more than that, because he's the high king of heaven and the king of our hearts. And his rule will never end. His invitation is to you and to me, even here now, today, offering peace. One author wrote that Israel's king will not subscribe to a a narrow view of nationalism in this moment for the temple and the city will both perish. And circumcision as a sign of the entry, uh, as an entry into God's people will give way to faith. And embodied in all of those from every nation who express personal trust, trust in this king, crowned upon a cross, the king of peace. Worship team, would you come on back up? So Jesus, as the scripture tells us, is the king of peace in this moment. So powerful. Who comes and he drives out fear. We talked about this last week too. Over and over again, the refrain that we hear throughout scripture, do not be afraid. (laughs) He drives out fear. And his ways are ways of mercy and gentleness and forgiveness. And Jesus even said to his disciples a few chapters after this, Look at what he said in in John chapter 14. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Isn't that beautiful? So the question I would like to leave with us this morning as we go from Palm Sunday into the rest of our week, as we look forward to Good Friday And then to Easter, our Easter celebration. How will you respond to the knowledge of who Jesus is? How will you respond to his invitation to purpose and to peace this morning? What might be warring within you? (laughs) What situations or relationship difficulties do you face that you don't know what to do? And there's a building tension, maybe a chaos moment in your life. How would you invite Jesus, the King of Peace, into that space into those moments and trust him for what only he can do. (laughs) And let his spirit speak deeply to your heart and to your mind this morning. Hosanna to the king of peace. Amen. (laughs) Can I invite you to stand and let's pray.